1: Hello, I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm welcoming Jane Pillemer. Jane is a writer and former children's book editor. We'll be talking about Still Mine, which is her first book. She loves to make her grandma Helen's old recipes and drink hot chocolate like they used to do together on sleepovers. Jane lives in Westchester, New York, with her husband, children, and a heart full of love for people who are still hers. Follow Jane on Instagram at Jane Pill- Pillimer Books, which is J A Y N E P I L L E M E R Books. Welcome, Jane. Hi, Cheryl. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. And um, I, I want to say, off the top, I was telling you before we went on that I had children in my home when my wife died, and so I'm always looking around. And then, of course, in my work, I'm dealing with parents who are navigating loss with children quite frequently. As a grief counselor, I'm I'm always looking for resources that that help children to um, understand better loss. So I appreciate being exposed to your book and and having one more resource.
2: Oh, thank you so much. You know, I really appreciate this opportunity to open up this difficult topic of talking to children about grief. You know, it's something that I think parents have a lot of anxiety about. um, And it's something that is under discussed with children. Um, I think that people, you know, are worried about bringing up the topic with their kids and being the one to instill worry and anxiety in their children. But the truth is, is that kids really already have a concept about death and they have questions about it. Um, And we're, we're in this very, you know, strange time. We are coming off of the pandemic, which was a time in which so many kids experienced death and social distancing with made saying goodbye more difficult um, and therefore, having certain elephant elements of closure was made more difficult. Um, and we're also in this time of frequent school shootings. Um, and scary. I think that, you know, when I was a child, you felt so safe going to school. And my mom always said she felt so safe when my siblings and I were at school. But that isn't the case anymore for children or their parents. And children are aware of what's been happening in their own communities these last few years. They are aware of what's been happening in other schools, if not their own school. Um, And like I said, they are aware of death, whether their parent has introduced the idea or not. So I really believe that talking to children about death and dying and grief is really important for this generation of young children, especially.
1: I completely agree with you. and, And I really appreciate the the uh, gist of the book or the direction of the book, which is you still have a relationship with that person. Um, I, you made me think as I was reading, I was thinking about one of my grandchildren. He's now 10, but when he was, I'm going to say f- six or seven, he was getting incredibly anxious about death. Mm-hmm. No one in his life had died, yeah. but his other grandmother was very sick and um he put two and two together right. smart boy right right and um they had tried to talk with them very upfront you know they're not ones to skirt around the subject but they said we think it would be helpful helpful if you would talk to him yeah given what i do here's how the conversation went yeah. He he told me i told him i knew that he was feeling scared about you know people dying and we've talked for a while. And then I said, you know, I've had a lot of people die in my life. And I told him all about um, my my wife who died, who of he, he never met her. She was dead mm. before uh, he was even alive. And I took out a picture of her and I said, you know, I still I still love her. I still talk to her. She's like my guardian angel. Um, You know, I just said what the relationship was like. And the more we talked in that way, the calmer he seemed to get. Yeah. So to me, it's quite the opposite that not talking about it is what makes children anxious.
2: Yeah. And it's so interesting that you bring that up because when I tell parents about Still Mine, you know, I get mixed reactions. I have parents who say, oh, that sounds like a lovely book for when the need arises, but I wouldn't read it to my kids before they've experienced a death. And yet this last year since the book has been out, I've gone into schools, I've gone into libraries, and there have been many children who haven't experienced a loss. And this book is sort of their introduction to it. Um, And what's so interesting is when I finish reading the book, I always ask the children, How did this book make you feel? And I've heard words like warm, calm. This book makes me feel love in my heart. This book makes me remember a memory. And it doesn't even have to be a memory of somebody who's passed away. It just brings back fun and good memories to children of people who are still here. And that really is the gist of it, is that children are really connecting with that way of you know, love stays with you, memory stays with you, and it gives them something reassuring and comforting to hold on to.
1: You know, I'm thinking about the irony here that I would say at least 80% of the uh, media directed at children, like Disney, uh, you know, yeah. Most most cartoons have dead parents. <laughs> not even just a dead person, but a dead parent. Yeah. Um, yeah. And without even thinking about it, you know, we all go to the cartoons with our kids, and there's something that um, I think I think fairy tales also have missing people in them. Always, right. almost always. Right. And it helps you process. It's the same as adults. We don't process things we ignore or um, stay away from. We process things we're exposed to, yes, absolutely. So isn't it funny that they the parents wouldn't imagine reading this book to kids, but they probably do take them to, you know, Lion King?
2: Yes, I know. yeah, you know, it doesn't really make sense. And I think, you know, some of the anxiety is being the one to sort of have that conversation um, and that, you know, you feel pressure as a parent um, to get that conversation right. And sometimes you do have to step back and say, "Okay, let's think about all of the ways my children are already exposed and the ways that they've already seen what can go on um, in the world. And I think what's interesting, and, and you did mention this, is that, you know, I felt like when I was a kid, the explanation of death was that you know it was for the very very old and these movies do sort of bring in the idea of okay it's not just for the very very old um and i think that you know still there's there's still anxiety from the parental i think perspective of of being the one to open up this conversation and have this conversation. Um, And it is just something we have to, I think, become more aware of. Our kids kids are exposed to this concept. Our kids have questions about it. Our kids know it's out there. And we have to be the ones to to be able to sort of start that discussion with them.
1: I recently interviewed, there's an Oscar-winning animated Short about a school shooting, and I recently mm. uh, interviewed the filmmaker, and he said he was afraid to tell his kids what he was making a movie about. yeah, <laughs> but yeah. when he finally did, you know, in a kind of apologetic, protective tone, they said, Dad, are you kidding? I mean, we're doing drills at school every single you know month. We're well aware. That this is happening. You're not, yeah. you're not bringing it up. You're not. Right. And they were a little bit older, but, um, you know, for plus or minus, my, my wife was sick for a long time. And we mm-hmm. actually got better at being very matter of fact about death because yeah. she, was, she was never expected to live. She just mm. kept not dying, mm. um, including, you know, when it was finally clearly the end getting a stethoscope out and putting it on our hearts letting our two and a half year old listen and and saying okay when someone dies you won't hear that anymore their body doesn't work anymore they can't come back into their body but you can still talk to them but they might not you might not hear you know just the facts right It's so so matter of fact for a two and a half year old
2: it's just thank you for the facts Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think that um, children really respond to that and they respond to information that's delivered in an age appropriate way. And they really respond to love and they love is something that they so purely understand that when you bring up the concept of, yes, you're gone, but I can still love you. That's something that they really, really It really, really makes sense in their hearts and their minds. And it becomes sort of a tool that they can use moving forward when they do experience grief. They have this sort of comfort, this preparation, this understanding of what they can take away. Um, And I think that it's really um, helpful for children to sort of have this foundation. Um, You know, like you said, not only just the factual bits, but the emotional bits.
1: I can imagine it being uh, applicable to things like being homesick when you go to camp. And, you know, there are lots of different kinds of losses in the world. Would you like to share
2: a little bit from the book? Sure, Uh, I'd love to. Um, I'm going to read a little bit from sort of the end of the beginning to to the middle, which is where we transition and experience a loss. You are mine at pajama time when we share hot chocolate and say, today with you was perfect. I want tomorrow to be just the same. But then you tiptoed by me and hopped a ride on the breeze. Now you are gone and I can't come along. I didn't even get to say goodbye. What will I do if I don't have you? Who will sing your sunrise song? Who will make your special treat? Who will nuzzle noses? Who will smooch cheeks? Can you catch my kisses if I throw them way up high? Are you still mine? You know, I think those questions come up a lot um, when a child has lost somebody. And, you know, the idea of, okay, I've lost a sibling. Am I now an only child or do I still have a sibling? Mm -hmm. Um, And I really felt like, you know, that the concept of still mine opened up the idea that there are certain elements of life that will never go away. And that's what lives in your heart. That's love.
1: What's what's uh, really interesting about that as a grief counsel who mm. who works mostly with adults yeah. is that these are not children's questions. They're everybody's questions. Absolutely. Yeah. Who are you to me now that your body is gone? Yeah. How do I how do I navigate being without all the things you did in my life?
2: Right. You know.
1: Um how do I come to terms with the fact that I will never see you again? All those questions are human questions, in my opinion, but they're questions that most grown-ups don't tackle until they have not even just a loss but a really major loss. Yeah, um, yeah. and i I do want to ask, and we'll probably not get too far into it, but it's it's um always, Compelling to me how people come to do do work related to grief because it's not an intuitive leap without certain experiences. Um, so, can you tell me just a little bit to start out about how this became the book, your very first book, the book that you decided to write? Um, I know you've worked editing books and such, but this is the book you decided to put out into the world. Can you talk yeah. about that?
2: Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, it's really an interesting thing that this was sort of the topic that I started with. You know, I, um, my oldest child was about two when my grandmother passed away. And until then, I hadn't really thought about how to talk to a child about death. And the loss of my grandmother sort of jolted me. I, I realized how difficult it was to grieve while being a parent and Mm. to work through your own emotions simultaneously while being responsible for for helping a child grasp this concept. And being a book person, a, a former children's book editor, I turned to books to help me find the words and I couldn't find anything that felt right to me in that moment. And there are many books out there that are beautiful and deal with the topic beautifully, but in that moment of my grief, I couldn't find what deep in my heart, I felt I needed to say. And so I began to sort of tinker with my own things. And it really took me a long time. You know, it's very funny as an editor, you realize that books go through many drafts. But when I began writing, you know, I, I was so overwhelmed with all of the stages of grief and how do I whittle this big conversation down into a picture book test? text. It almost feels like it could be a novel. And it took me many, many years, even though I really started with the morsel, which was what I shared with my son, which was, you know, grandma is gone, but I believe she can still love you. And you, I know, can still love her. And that was really what I spoke to him in the moment and felt like I need to find a way to make this work in a, in a book, because that was, those were the words that I couldn't find, you know, exactly spoken. Um, and for years, I sort of played with different perspectives and different voices. And um, I, for a while, I was really working with the idea of with you always. And it never kind of felt quite right. It never felt sort of childlike. It never also had sort of That adult appeal too, which, which I think still mine has. Um, I really wanted to capture the feelings I have about my grandmother and the love that I have for my Mm -hmm. grandmother, um, and the ways that I have taken sort of her love and have shaped my own sort of daily rituals with my children, the things that I hope stay with them, um, and are sort of the imprints on their heart that she left on mine. And um, so I sort of, you know, really, really, once I put together the ideas of what I mentioned before is, you know, she'll, if, if you lose a sibling, if you lose a grandmother, do I still have a, that sibling? Do I still have a grandmother or or are they gone? And then I also focused on the idea that my children found comfort when I emphasized what got to stay versus what they were losing. And those two musings worked together eventually and and led to the still mind refrain. And once I had that still mind refrain, the rest of the manuscript really flowed into final form. Um, And it sort of felt like my grandmother's legacy in a way. This book is dedicated to her. And she had an incredible way of making her four children, her 10 grandchildren feel like they were her favorite. She made little moments feel really intimate. And um, those are the little moments that live in my heart and that I think about every day. Um, And that's sort of, I wanted to capture those feelings in this book.
1: That's a really good beginning on, on what I wanted to know. You know? Mm, yes.
2: uh, and, there's, and there's more to say
1: after the break. So we'll come back and talk some more about, uh, you know, of course, you're a great example of this, this, the theme of my show, which is the things that come out of loss uh, yeah. that, that aren't just difficult, they're beautiful. So yeah. we'll come back and talk some more about that. Listeners, Great. you can find links to my website and social media, the Good Grief page at Voice America. And to find uh, Jane, you can go to her Instagram at Dot. Uh, I guess there's no dot in, a, in an Instagram. <laughs> I used to <a> websites. So <laughs> Be <you> back soon. <laughs>
3: Be sure to like the Voice America Health and Wellness channel on Facebook. You'll find great health tips from the experts. Find out more about your favorite shows and talk back to our team. Search Voice America Health or click the like button under the player today.
1: This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com slash goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com slash goodgrief and receive a 10% discount for the first month.
0: Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device Resiliency Within can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
3: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at WeatheringGrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief.
1: Welcome back. I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Jane Pillimer about her book, Still Mine. And, Jane, uh, I was mentioning on the break uh, a, an author, Lorraine Headkey, that talks about how to plant the seeds for uh, a continued relationship after death. You know more directly, and the book she wrote uh, with her daughter about her mother who died before her daughter was born, but they had ways to keep cultivating that relationship, and. Um, so your book could also be useful in that way, even when the person is still living, but they may die, you know, yeah, yeah. Or, or someone who's born after, uh, after, but that person is important to the family. You know, how do we carry on relatedness
2: um, beyond the end of a body? is yeah. is kind of where where I'm going with it yeah it's- you know my my younger sons had never met my grandmother um it was only my older son and um you know we still I still do so many things that my grandmother used to do and I make her recipes for the kids and they love grandma's special rice and whenever I make it they always say things like oh grandma is the best cook and it's, you know, they never met her. They never had it the way, the exact way that she made it. But because I always make sure to, you know, say, here comes grandma's special rice, just the way you like it. They really have forged their own connection with her. And, um, they, they really in the way that, you know, the boys in my book, drink hot chocolate and and it really brings back memories and a connection with their father. Doing, making recipes that my grandmother made sort of does the same thing for my children who haven't met her. Um, they really do feel as if they were in on those memories and that they've created their own relationship.
1: So there's a continuing evolution. You used the word closure a little while back, yeah. which, which I don't use. Mm-hmm. And this is yeah. the reason because certain things, There is closure of the body. Let's just say that. Yeah. No, I'm real. (laughs) The body has ended and that does close certain things, but not other things. Yes.
2: Oh, absolutely. You know, I think I use the word closure because people during the pandemic had no closeness. Um, And that really, I think, affected the way that people grieved. Um, I mean, I would agree with you that there is no closure. And that's really, you know, at the heart of still mine is that, you know, the door to the heart never closes. And as long as you can keep loving and keep sharing memories and bringing that person into your life in little ways and keeping those, you know, relationships alive in even the smallest ways... Uh, yeah, I, I, they're, they're really, that's, you know, life and love continuing. I even would say that, that
1: relationships continue to evolve. Absolutely. In the, sense, uh, the way, you know, it's now, I don't know, 26 or seven years since, since my wife died, that shows how long it's been because I can't tell you, you know, exactly. Right. And, um, right. but I, I, I would say that that relationship has continued to be important in my life and um, keeps evolving into new ways of thinking about it. And my parents as well, who who died after her. Yeah. So um, I think that's an encouraging possibility. Uh, I, I have to say sometimes in therapy, people's relationships with difficult folks have uh, improved after death because all the wranglings of difficulty are gone. Right. And And you you sort of see it clearer.
2: Yeah, you do. You see it, you see it more clearly. And I think that you find, you know, the way to get back to some of that love when, you know, the hardships of life or, you know, difficulty in relationships, you know, sort of clouded that. Um, And it helps you get back to a little bit more of sort of the, the purity that was at the root of it.
1: Mm hmm. So, you know, like a lot of people uh, that I interview on this show and uh, people that do things after a loss to uh, to be of help, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is a natural impulse. Once you're kind of in a different place yourself, you want to give back. Um, but that means that, uh, you know, those of us that do that are a little more immersed than we used to be. In people's losses. And I wondered how that's been for you. Uh, I'm pretty sure you've heard stories from people, and, you know, um, at least in your life as an author, you're now a little immersed in grief,
2: yes? Yeah, uh, yeah. Especially, you know, going into schools and libraries and hearing stories from children. Um, it does sort of touch your heart in a different way. Um, And you do sometimes leave feeling sort of helpful and, and lighter and feeling like, okay, I see that this child, um, you know, really connected with the book in a positive way. And you feel really good about the way that it can be helpful. But then you also do, you know, take on these stories and, and you go home and you think, Oh gosh, like, you know, it was a beautiful interaction and it was also really heavy. Um, So, yeah, you know, I never really thought of myself as an expert on grief and I still don't. I'm a, I'm a mom who's navigating, you know, life with my kids and, and figuring out grief as I go. And um, it's been really, it's been really um, beautiful and hard to sort of now be in this world where, I'm surrounded by stories and, and, and memories that people want to share. Um, you know, sometimes it really feels like getting a hug from my grandmother. And, and sometimes you do need to go home and have a little bit of a cry um, hearing about what somebody else has endured. I
1: think part of what I, I think I'm hearing there is once you know grief, you don't hear stories of loss the same way. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it feels much different when you've had the experience yourself in
2: whatever way than than before that, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. You know, I don't think that you're ever fully, um, what's the word? You know, in, until you've experienced something, you don't fully understand it. You can always try to put yourself in somebody's shoes, but once you feel something, you um, you're able to relate to others experiences, you know, on a deeper level.
1: And so circling back to, to more towards the beginning of our conversation, when parents say, oh, that'll be a good book, you know, after, (laughs) after they lose someone, what do you actually say back to them? Because there's the kids, but there's also the parents. Um, Parents are the ones that, that share books with children of right. this age group, four yeah. to eight, right? Yeah. Um, how do you navigate that part of it? Because I yeah. can imagine that's that can be, you know,
2: challenging sometimes. Yeah, you know, it's it's really challenging because you, I, I would never present myself as like a parenting expert and you don't want to say to somebody, well, I know what's better for your child than you do. Um, but what I do like to share is, you know, what I mentioned earlier, the feedback that I've gotten from children in-person events who have not experienced loss and share the positive feelings that they take away after reading the book. And I do like to share that, you know, I, I know that this is a topic that brings up anxiety in you and it brings up worry, but children take it really positively. It gives them a positive framework to think about death. It gives them a piece of comfort and a piece of reassurance and um, a little bit of hope when they think about a hard topic. And I think that it's a really tender way to frame a difficult conversation. Um, And sometimes having a tender way to deliver a hard message is really, you know, what you need. So I usually encourage them to to read the book and and think about that um, and then maybe reconsider.
1: You know, it it also occurs to me that what actually happened in your own life that led to the book is that you didn't have the words when you needed them.
2: Yeah.
1: And that um, this, if there had been this book for you, and your child uh it would have gone differently yeah wouldn't, you wouldn't have so. stumbled so that's an interesting it's sort of advanced planning in a way
2: yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely um And you know, I'm kind of reminded of something that I had heard in your interview with Suzanne Falter. And you said something like, um, grief is like bushwhacking, that there is no path, you sort of just have to forge your own way and fight through it. And sometimes you have a machete, but that's kind of it. And um, yeah, that's one of my favorite images for yeah, sure. <laughs> it's what felt, it feels like. It is. And that felt so accurate to me too. And I remember when I heard that, I said, you know, when you are grieving and raising a child who also needs to both learn about death and grieve, it can feel almost even more complicated. Instead of like instead of just bushwhacking your own way through grief, you feel like you almost have to drop your own machete so that you can use both arms to shield your kid, but the <laughs> truth is, your kids still get scratched, and you emerge practically eaten alive. Mm. And I really believe that it's important to give your child their own tools so that they have some preparation when it's time for them to make their own way, even if you're still beside them. Um, and I really, you know, I wouldn't call still mine a machete, but I. I do sort of think of it as a compass. You know, in poetry, love is often described as a true north. And I think that still mine reminds kids that love is always there to guide them forward and to reassure them when they feel lost. And by giving your kids a tool before they're in the midst of that grief and they don't know how to fight their way through it, I, I think, you know, you have... Your hands free to take back your own tool and really help them on on their sort of struggle, um, and you know that's you know I think what you know still mine you know still mine why it's important to read before because you know this death will inevitably happen at some point in life. Um, I was really lucky that I didn't experience it as a child, and, and my children have had several experiences of it already. Um, and I'm really, really glad that I was able to find some words that maybe weren't the right words in the moment, and they evolved through still mine. and and now we have this to go back to. Um, and I feel I feel good that they have this tool.
1: You know, I've mentioned this before on the show that um, I really can't think of a time. Where someone has come to me for therapy because they lost, say, a parent young, yeah, where they've said, um, anything other than nobody wanted to talk about it. Yeah it's, it's actually, that's what's to me, in the end damaging, yeah, is the failure to communicate and yeah. What you're talking about is it's not just that the parent chooses to not talk about it or close the book. It's that they don't have the words and they're too stressed at that moment Mm -hmm. to do the work it takes to find the words.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah. So I think in that sense, too, you know, if the parents have a way, it'll be all right. Right. You know? right. Uh I'm. I'm working with a dad now with, whose uh, whose who's, um, significant other died, and you know just the amount that they talk about it and invite the feelings and all that. I'm like they're going to be okay. <laughs> That's my my bottom line on it. They're going to be okay because it's open. Right, right. But you, you know? but you have to have a way to do that. You have to be a little prepared to do that, right?
2: Yeah, no, you absolutely do. You know, I feel like a lot of, when I was a kid, you know, I felt like adult adult topics, you know, my parents would kind of close the door and talk about it and you sort of forget that your parents are human because they keep certain things private. And while of course that, you know, there are certain things that children aren't ready to hear, you know, a therapist had told me, you know, it's okay for your kids to see that you're sad. They need to see that you're sad. And then they also need to see that you're still okay. And the realization that I could cry in front of my kids was very freeing for me. And it was really, um, sort of helpful for my kids too, because when they saw me cry, they also felt like, oh, I'm allowed to cry. and Crying must to- be okay. huh? Yeah, crying <laughs> must be okay. And it's not something that I have to go to my room and close my door and do into my pillow. It's something that I can share with my parents. Um, and it's something that's allowed in this house. And I really um, think that that's been hugely, hugely productive and helpful and healing for my family. And just
1: to take that a little farther, as long as it's not um, expressed destructively, all feelings are okay. You yeah. know, if, if you're blocking sadness, you you probably block everything else too. If you allow right. it, you probably allow some other things too. Yeah. So, you know, I one thing I believe about grief is it sort of contains all the feelings oh all <laughs> you <know>? the feelings, <laughs> all, the feelings. So yeah, all the feelings yeah all the feelings let's take another break and we'll we'll come back for our last third okay. and listeners you can go to my website weatheringgrief.com the good grief host page and you can follow jane on instagram at jane pillimer books and we'll be back soon Follow us on Twitter at
3: VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN.
1: This is good grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com slash goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com slash goodgrief and receive a 10% discount for the first month.
3: Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins looks at how natural healing and biological dentistry can safely and effectively treat most health problems. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief.
1: Welcome back. I've been talking with Jane Palmer about Still Mine, a picture book for children four to eight year- years old about uh, loss and how to maintain connection with the person you've lost. And um, I think it would be great to talk a little bit about the pictures, which are beautiful and uh how you picked an illustrator, uh, what what her perspective was on on a children's picture book about loss, and kind of how you two collaborated on the project.
2: Yeah, you know, Cheryl was really just the perfect pick for this book. She certainly brought her own grief and her own love to the book, which I think was really, really important. Um, that she connect with the text personally and then be able to sort of bring some of her own feelings, emotion story to the book. She um, she really has an amazing way. And what I love most about her artwork and when I saw samples of her artwork, I sort of immediately knew she was the right one because Cheryl has this amazing way of achieving motion in the backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And this whole idea of still mine is, you know, love never goes away. It's this beautiful, indestructible force that is floating all around us. It's in the steam of the hot chocolate. It's in the breeze. It is in the glimmer of the stars. It's sort of moving all around the characters in invisible but feelable ways just like it does for all of us. And I sort of didn't know how an illustrator could possibly capture that feeling until I found Cheryl and Cheryl, I felt like because of the way that she's able to achieve fluidity and motion in her backward drops, she was able to sort of make that feeling um, and that motion sort of come to life around the characters. And for me, that really made her stand out. Um, I just feel like she really gave my words a gift by being able to illustrate them in that way. And and I also really love Cheryl because she has this softness to her, her edges. And one of the things I really, you know, tried to achieve was this sort of lyrical writing. You know, when you read the book aloud, to students, I wanted it to roll off the tongue really gently so that the message felt easier to receive. And I felt that Cheryl's art, the way that she had these light and dark colors and the soft edges and the fluidity sort of matched uh, the, the, the way that I wanted the text to be received as well. So it really just felt like this this truly perfect pairing. Um, And Cheryl uh, dedicated the book to her sister, who passed away when she was a teenager. And her father passed away while she was drawing the pictures for the book. And she was able to share the illustrations with him um, just before he passed away. And it was such a really uh, incredible sort of thing for her to be sitting with him at his bedside and to be drawing these pictures and to be sharing them with him. Um, and I think that, it, you know, having sort of those experiences really um, gave the book life in its own in, a, in its own way. So she really just, I couldn't have found, I think, anybody more perfect uh, to partner with. Yeah, and that, that gives, life. it gives me chills a little bit
1: because that's what, I was talking about earlier in terms of how you cultivate cultivate a continued relationship before a person dies, because she was literally telling her father, I'm going to keep you. Yeah. You're still, you're still going to be mine. Yeah. Um, which is such a beautiful thing to be able to reference in your life. Yeah. Uh, and I and I know, you know, decades later, I do remember those those types of conversations I had with my wife before she died, um, the ways in which we talked about the expectation of continued relatedness—if that makes sense—yeah. Um, yeah. So what a what a beautiful memory for her to have as well, and a beautiful touchstone.
2: You yeah, know?
1: yeah, I think so. Mm. It's really something. <laughs> Um, and, you know, a little bit in the break, this is a, a turn in the road, but a little bit in the break, you were talking about the, w- the specific ways in which other books didn't work for you. And you mentioned real, um, you know, just uh, uh, briefly that most of them were about specific losses, um, which I found interesting. So you wanted to write a book that would sort of apply to any loss. Yes, you know. I suppose I suppose including moving to Timbuktu or something, but
2: yeah, um, no, yeah, exactly. You know, I had found books that were specifically for the loss of a grandparent, that were for the loss of a pet, um, but I couldn't sort of find anything that helped children understand. Okay, this this concept of death, which I'm which we're introducing, and and you are seeing it as you know the loss of great grandma. it it does happen in different ways. This isn't the only way that it can happen. Um, And I also found, you know, that some books were particularly religious and I really wanted to find um, a book that was, you know, universal in its message. My husband and I were raised with different uh, religions and, you know, there are all sorts of beliefs and terminology about where we go after life on earth and all sorts of practices that are followed at the end of a life. And I I really just wanted my children to understand that no matter who is passing away, and it, it doesn't, and it doesn't necessarily mean there's just one person who might pass away. The love will always be the same and people can have different ways of of celebrating a person or um you know believing in where they go but it's it's all the same we all cherish memories and we all love just the same and um that was you know that was really important um for me i think in in sort of creating this this more sort of universal message and these characters who represented uh, several different types of losses within the book
1: You know, it's also an interesting point. I don't know if you had this specifically in mind, but a lot of the ways that in talking with children, uh, religion gets referenced is actually not helpful because it avoids the truth of death. Um, They're in a better place or they've gone to God or, you know, it was time for the angels to take them. All those things are very confusing to children.
2: Yeah, because they're not really tangible. <laughs> and and also
1: because uh, why would it be better? I'm here. I I'm, yeah. <laughs> instance, I'm here. You yeah. know, so unless you also say we're sad and and it's a loss and I'm I have no objection to any religious belief really unless it harms other people. But um, But at the same time, it's got to be paired with the reality of being a human being
2: and feeling sad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something we all feel, you know, we all feel sad and we it's, it's okay to feel sad and you have to feel sad. So your book
1: managed to be both specific and available to nearly anybody. At the same time, that's (laughs) what comes to my mind. You know, there's no belief system that your book would would um, uh, offend unless it's people that think you shouldn't talk to children about death or
2: something. Right.
1: But I can't imagine any belief system that wouldn't be compatible with what you're saying
2: yeah and you know i think that that's why it has been accepted into schools um because you know especially public schools that i've been to um yeah it's you know where they really want to embrace diversity and and people's differences uh this absolutely can speak to everybody without offending any belief system Um, and it really just appeals to that human heart that we all have and that ability to keep loving And to keep, like you said, sort of, you know, forging relationships, even after someone is gone via the heart, via memories.
1: I'm aware that there's another aspect that's maybe understated in our conversation, Mm. which is that sharing that with your children is a bonding thing between a parent and a child. Yeah. That, um, sharing the reality of life and supporting each other and you know having your feelings and thoughts together don't you find that to
2: be very bonding and very um uh strengthening i really do you know we've had a lot of tough conversations in in my house over the years and have talked about a lot of hard topics and I really find that my children and I are incredibly bonded because we have established trust in each other, you know, to talk about hard things, to talk about how we feel. Um, I think that, you know, we, like I said, they don't really have the fear or the need to hide. They feel that it's okay to ask questions, to share their feelings. And I, I really do think that that has strengthened our bond incredibly and um, in being able to, to talk about it.
1: And must have come in incredibly handy in these last few years of, of um, impact, whether you lost anyone to death in the COVID period, which I guess we're still in, but differently, right. Um, right. you know it did change life utterly. It was really hard. Kids couldn't go to school
2: for periods of time. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, and, I mean, and lots of things happened. Yeah. And not being able to go to school is a huge loss. You know, if my children were in elementary, my older son was in elementary school. Um, you know, and my younger son was in preschool. Uh, yeah, it was a huge loss all yeah. of a sudden, not being so able to have a play date, not being able abs- to go to school. Absolutely. So
1: let's sum it up like this. Talking about things is really great. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah. That's me today. I've enjoyed our conversation. And I hope oh, people go look for yeah. your book and look for you at Instagram, uh, you know, Jane Pilmer Books. Uh, and I hope hope it continues to be read and end up in schools, and it gives me hope. Thank you so much, Cheryl. (laughs) You're welcome. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation.
0: Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief.